You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Burt looking to get it in. Asia playing great D, gets it in. Agumawali for three, count of it goes. Front rim, no good. Aces win, and they are going back to the WNBA Finals for the second consecutive year. It's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You just heard T.C. Martin right there on the final call that send the Aces to the finals. Of course, they're going to be squaring up with the New York Liberty. Excited about that. That's what we anticipated. That's what we all wanted. That's what we're all going to get when it comes to the WNBA Finals. And join us now on the phone lines to talk about the Aces, UNLV, and more is our good friend Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, thanks so much for your time. And I want to deep dive into the Aces. But before I do that, yesterday on the campus of UNLV, the Raiders, Mark Davis, Sandra Douglas Morgan, they were all there and presented the Rebels with a million-dollar donation. We just played the sound that you had on your Twitter that you took from Mark Davis about you know what that million-dollar donation meant. How big was that for the Raiders to make that kind of donation to UNLV? Yeah, I mean, what a huge step for for UNLV being, you know, kind of at the forefront of sports community right here in Vegas. If you hear a baby in the background, I'm home in San Diego for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I got my niece and nephew running around here. But, um, no, it was great to see Mark Davis, Sandra Douglas Morgan, um, you know, really leaders in our community, um, you know, really, really show Barry Odom, you know, how he's putting the Rebels forward, how he's making college football relevant in the city. And um, it's been awesome to be with the Rebels this season, see the history that they're making. Um, Their offense is so explosive, so exciting, scoring 45 points a game. Um, But what a step forward and and how awesome for, for the Raiders to, you know, show, show UNLV and show the community that, they're invested in the community, and they want to continue to, um, you know, put put UNLV football forward and and keep this thing rolling. Yeah, and it's rolling right now. And it, you were in attendance for the, you know, the uh, the battle for the Golden Pineapple. UNLV won. They've got four victories on the season. They're almost there to six wins, which is bowl eligibility. How nice has this been this season been so far for Coach Odom? First year there as the head coach there at UNLV. Well, I, I've covered the Rebels for three years now, and you know, coming out of COVID, I know it was it was a struggle for for all the teams here in Las Vegas coming out of COVID, playing that weird COVID year at Allegiant Stadium. Um, so it's been amazing to see not only sports but this entire town really transform before our eyes into the sports capital of the world. So it's been exciting at UNLV to see Barry Odom firsthand turn this program around. Their defense is playing lights out. I mean, these guys are racking up like six sacks a game now. So super exciting to see them, you know, uh, back-to-back games of over 300 yards rushing. They've got like six running backs scoring touchdowns. So it's been so exciting to watch a UNLV football turn around. And um, Barry Odom said uh, this summer, he's like, you know, there is a want for college football here in the city. You know, they, they the community wants the UNLV Rebels to be successful. And talking to Eric Harper uh, you know, Q, when the football team is rolling and when the football team is winning, uh, that only trickles down to the other sports. That only helps our community uh, get to Allegiant Stadium, pack Allegiant Stadium. Um, it helps attendance go up. You know, I went to TCU. 
because TCU had a great football program, and yeah. I'm sure kids go to Alabama because Alabama has a good football program. So, um, you know, it's not it's not just the team being successful. It has a a whole effect on the community, on the city, on attendance, on ticket sales, on the other sports. You know, now that Mark Davis donated one million dollars, that's going to help all the other sports at UNLV too. So, uh, definitely a special year at UNLV, and I'm excited for you uh, this UNR game coming up. Because, uh, like, like you said, they're only two wins away from being bowl eligible for uh, the first time in ten years. And talking to the players, it's not just about a bowl game. They want to go win the Mountain West Championship uh, here for 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 Vegas. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, don't stop at bowl eligibility, right? Just go yeah. ahead and keep getting stacking wins, stacking wins, and stacking more wins. And as you mentioned, you know, you're in San Diego. It's a bye week for UNLV. Yeah. What do they need to get done? during this bye week as far as getting prepared for uh, for for Nevada coming up after the bye? Yeah, well, Barry Odom mentioned, you know, Doug Brumfield getting back in the mix and getting back to full health and being 100% cleared. Um, he was, you know, knocked out of the Vanderbilt game with ribs and a, a hip injury. Um, so, you know, getting, getting their starting quarterback, you know, uh, back in the system, feeling 100%. Um, he is their starting quarterback, even though we saw the backup quarterback, Jaden Mayava from Liberty High School, um, you know, I come in as a starter and really ball out. He's 2-0 and as a starter at UNLV, and he's had in-game reps, you know, all, all through the five games at UNLV. So if there's one thing that's rolling right now, it's, it's their backup quarterback. And, you know, Barry Odom says he doesn't care what year you are. He doesn't care if you're a walk-on or a fifth-year senior. Um, he's going to give a lot of reps to everyone on the team and that every player, once they're out there, they need to go out there and play winning football. So he tells me if you're two, three, you know, he doesn't care where you are, you know, on the depth chart, you need to come out there and execute. And I think that's what we've seen. Um, you know, when one guy goes down, they're, you know, defensive end or a defensive back or a running back. Um, if a starter goes down, man, the two and three come in. And they continue to play lights out. And I think that's what Barry Odom is really focusing on, is building that depth at UNLV. And uh, so far it's paying off. I mean, the backup quarterback comes out and, and wins them a game against Vanderbilt, you know, wins the UTEP game, wins this Hawaii Ninth Island game. Uh, so, so great to see Barry Odom really focusing on giving a ton of reps to everyone on the football team. So, um, And not only that, Q, I feel like maybe just his leadership has really transformed the program and changing the character of this football team, too. I feel like these guys want to be great people on and off the field. You know, they want to be great uh, community members on and off the field. And I think um, I think Mark Davis is honestly noticing Barry Odom's leadership and how this football team, um, you know, is, is performing on the field and off the field, too, being great leaders in our in our community as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of great, great stuff around <laughs> UNLV football. I hope they – go out and beat Reno and, and continue to keep that cannon in Vegas. So far they got the golden pineapple. Now they got to defend that cannon uh, uh, next Saturday. But uh, definitely an exciting time in Las Vegas with UNLV football and, and the Aces about to get into the WNBA finals as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about the Aces. But I, I want one more comment on, on UNLV and the football program. Yeah. This is the first time that it's happened since I've been here that – people come up to me and say, hey, man, UNLV is cooking. They're playing really well. Yeah. This coach could really coach. Like, they're excited. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing just mm -hmm. random people tell me how excited they are about that program. And, Paloma, you've been covering them for a very yeah. long time. This is probably the, the most excited people have been about UNLV football in a, in a long time. 
Yeah, and I mean, it starts with the leadership. I mean, yeah. I think it really does start with Barry Odom. He's on my show every week on Fox 5 Vegas. And, I mean, I've been telling my family, I think, you know, not only is he a great leader to the football team, but, you know, Q, I feel like I'm learning the game more than I ever have <laughs> nice. in my life. And I feel like I'm really understanding all three phases of the game on a whole new level. You know, I, I've always loved football. I've always loved college football. My dad coached at San Diego State. But, man, one thing I noticed about Barry Odom, I was like, he is smart. He is really, really smart, really experienced. And the coaching staff that he brought in, his OC, his DC, you know, all the position coaches are really experienced. Some of them have over 30 years of coaching college football. So I feel like he has a really experienced staff at UNLV. And uh, the guys are just hungry, hungry to uh, perform well for them and you know, talking to Doug Brumfields and a lot of the guys, they tell me, you know, they want to go do a good job for Barry Odom. And I think that says a lot about the UNLV football program and, and where this coach has this program going. Yeah, they're going in the right direction. That's for sure. I guarantee that. <laughs> I, I like what they're doing. They have four wins already, only a couple more, and they'll be bowl eligible again. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, we got to turn our attention to the Aces, and a few of those games yeah. you'll be able to hear right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Man, Aces Liberty, it's the finals that yeah. we all wanted. It's the finals that we <laughs> yeah. all anticipated. What's your gut feeling tell you about this as the Liberty got the best of the Aces this season? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I'm reading everything on ESPN and WNBA and, you know, all the analysts are giving their projections of aces in Game 5 or Liberty in Game 5. But this is going to be a battle, Q, for sure. This is going to be a battle. We know um, we know that the Liberty really want this. You know, it's like kind of a historic season for the Liberty. Um, it was funny. I think I think it was WNBA posted the last time the Liberty were in the WNBA finals. Becky Hammond played for the team. Wow. So kind of crazy, right? Kind of yeah. crazy. So to me, it's like, man, the Liberty are kind of the underdog, you know, and the underdog has that, that chip on their shoulder. And, um, you know, we've seen all year long how talented um, Sabrina Unescu is and how talented Stewie is and but man so they have a lot of talent too so mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to be a dog fight um obviously I want the aces to win and have another parade For on sure. the strip um Q every time I every time I drive down the strip I'm like they need to move all of this s1 crap out of the way man. for the aces parade <laughs> yes yes every time I'm driving to work I'm like well they got to clear all this out for the parade so <laughs> I'm with um, you Man, I'm, I am with you. That that traffic on the strip yeah. because of F1 yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm so happy for our city, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, let's do this F1 thing and get it over with. But I right. um, talking to Mark Davis, too, yesterday. I was like, you know, um, super excited for the Aces and just, just you know, I, I'm, I'm super hopeful that they, they take down the Liberty and win another championship for our city. But you have to think about what the Aces sparked here in Las Vegas to winning the first pro championship that led to the Golden Knights, you know, winning a championship. UNLV football is, is eyeing a championship this year. Um, and no doubt, you know, the Aces are right next to the Raiders facility and talking to the Raiders this summer, um, even talking to Josh McDaniels this summer. He's like, hey, you know, we see what the Golden Knights are doing. The Aces are right next door to us. Um, you know, no doubt the Aces sparked, you know, a championship mentality here in Las Vegas. And yeah. Hugh, I really think Becky Hammond was the game changer, bringing her here to Las Vegas. Yep. Um, you know, even the Golden Knights head coach mentioned, you know, wow, Becky Hammond, and, and she's got the aces rolling, and we want to do that. We want to go win a championship. We want to parade. 
Um, so, you know, Becky Hammond coming to the 702 was a real game changer. Um, we've, we've only seen Asia Wilson and, and all the players on the Aces. You know, they've all gotten so much better under Becky Hammond, you know, breaking their own records and a career high and career best. And, you know, Asia Wilson continuing to win, you know, every award there is out there. So, um, Asia Wilson definitely heading into this finals with a chip on her shoulder. You know, she was really professional on ESPN about yeah, not she was. being, you know, not being MVP. But, you know, you know, that's got to fire her up. You know, mm-hmm. that's got to fire her up. And, um, you know, when you're looking at, at Stewie on the other side of the court, it's like, man, you know, you know, she's got that fire in her. And, um, you know, she's put up historic numbers all season long. So I can only imagine in the finals that Asia Wilson is going to bring it. So super excited. Uh, for the finals to tip off. Yeah, me too. And it, it's already sold out, right? All the all the yeah. games here is already sold out, and they sold out immediately. So that's awesome, yeah. just for viewership of the WNBA finals. Is there any word on Candace Parker? Is she any closer to coming back? Do we know yet? Yeah, she's still been day to day, and she. What I what I think is great is you know she's been on on the bench with the team. She's been at every game. You know, she's been there in the huddles. Um, now we see Chelsea Gray. You know leading the the timeout yeah. in place of Becky Hammond. Um, you know, boy, would they love to get her back. But my gut says she doesn't come back for the finals mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I haven't seen her practice or anything. But that would be awesome if she came in um, when, they, when they needed her to. But um, I, feel like, I feel like they should have said her foot injury was a season-ending injury instead of keeping us, you know, day-to-day. But yep. um uh, my gut says, you know, she's not back for the finals, but we've seen the Aces, you know, really dominate without her and step up without her. So, um, you know, my I hope I hope she comes back for another year for sure. Um, but you know, we're man, 17 years in the WNBA, and she's the absolute goat. So, mm-hmm. if she does come back next year, you know, it, it, it can only help the Aces for sure. But I know Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum. Um, they even posted on, on social media, I think a few of them being like, all right, great to see y'all. I'm logging off this app because I'm locking in for the, yeah. for the WNBA final. So, um, of course, fans hopeful to see to see Candace Parker, but I don't think she comes back for the finals. Yeah, I, I kind of had that same gut feeling, but yeah. I thought I'd ask just because. <laughs> She's yeah. been out so long, and it's really yeah. unfortunate. But, hey, uh, we look forward to it. It's the finals that we all wanted. It's the Aces <laughs> and the Liberty for everything, two really – Great teams. Yeah. The Liberty got the best of the Aces this year, including the Commissioner's mm-hmm. Cup. But this is what matters is the WNBA mm-hmm. Finals. Well, Paloma, uh, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to get a little break real quick, go home to San Diego <laughs> and, and visit the family. I know Barry Odom, the first thing he asked me was, you know, you going home to see the family? And I'm like, you know, as, as quick as I can. But, um, you know, there will be another Red Zone on Sunday where we kind of recap uh, UNLV's four and one season. We'll be hearing more from Mark Davis and Sandra Douglas Morgan on the red zone, which is so cool to have Mark Davis on the red zone and um, have this Raiders Rebels relationship going this season. So super excited! If I could see Mark Davis out at the UNLV games, you know, on the sidelines, you know, that'd be huge, huge. I know he's he's got the aces rolling and um, you know UNLV football, so I know he wants that winning energy. Uh, to come over to the Raiders too, so yep. you know they're they're neighbors, they're they're you know neighbors at Allegiant Stadium, so you know Raiders supporting Rebels, but you know foot on the gas with UNLV football, and then yeah, let's see the Aces win another championship, and uh, we got to call someone to move all that stuff off the strip. <laughs> 
we can uh, we can have another parade queue. Yeah, exactly. Want to see another parade on the strip? That would be awesome. And, and yeah. shout out to the Aces. So uh, go get it done, yeah. no doubt about it. Well, Paloma, enjoy San Diego. Enjoy the time yeah. with your family and uh, hustle back to Vegas because there's some games to be won <laughs> and games to be played. So we definitely appreciate yes. you. <laughs> Thank you. See ya. All right, see ya. There she goes, Paloma Villacana right there, Fox 5 Sports on Twitter at Paloma Fox 5 News uh, in San Diego uh, with the family for a couple days as uh, UNLV is on a bye. They'll be back next week, of course, going up against uh, Reno. That's the battle for the Fremont uh, Cannon. They've already won the Golden Pineapple. They'll have the uh, Fremont Cannon up next, and uh, that'd be awesome. And, man, Barry Odom's got UNLV rolling right now and definitely could appreciate them. Would love to see that energy keep rolling, right? I mean, the Aces won the championship. The Golden Knights won a championship. The Aces are back in the finals. Raiders, it's your time to shine. All eyes on you, like Pac in a double disc, right? All eyes on you. You ain't got to press fast forward because you can listen to every single track. All eyes on you. You got to go get it done. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our brother. Quick, quick, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Q-Ball, what it do? Chilling, man, chilling. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Uh, UNLV, they need to start my album. Yeah, he's Dougie, he's awesome. Dougie B, yeah, he's awesome. Dougie B coming back, that's disruptive. I don't like it. Imagine if the doggone Aces had Candace Parker. Oh. That commissioner's cut would be ours. Yep. <laughs> We'd be the favorites and double times over. Yep. I mean, it'll just get really ugly. So I'm sad that we're not going to see her this season. But go Aces. Let me get this Raider talking, though, for you, because we've been talking about the draft and how we build and which way we should go with it. Brother, this is what I was talking about three weeks ago when I said they went to the bargain bin because you had Roquan out there for a trade. You had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out there for a signing. You had these other guys that were out there that had greater abilities than the guys that we either drafted or signed. So in my opinion, when we see good talent, we need to pounce on it. Mm-hmm. and build through the draft. So it, it takes both. Good teams, the Ravens, they have done it through the draft, but they also are not afraid to make first-round draft pick-type uh, trades, big splash moves in free agency. Why not? What are yeah. we doing waiting on these guys to get better? I'm at you later, Q-Ball. Appreciate you, bro. Hey, good stuff. And I'll tell you, man, uh, Roquan Smith was a – he was a <laughs> – Roquan Smith was a friend of mine, right? <laughs> I mean, he was one of those guys that I looked at like, yes, go make the move to go get him. I remember when he was coming out of Georgia, I was hoping that the Raiders were going to get him. Chicago got him at number eight, so he was long gone before they had a chance to pick. But the minute that they said, hey, Roquan Smith might be available. Hey, I hear Chicago's trying to trade Roquan. Hey, they might not be willing to pay him. I was like, get him. Get him. Get him. Right? And it just didn't happen. Baltimore, of course, they made the move for him. There are certain moves that could be made that are very smart like that one that Quick just pointed out. Roquan Smith would have been a game changer. Absolute game changer. He's that kind of guy that makes everyone around him better. Right? You don't have to be a stud corner, but you'll be better with Roquan Smith, who's a linebacker, on the field. He makes you better. There's certain players that make other guys better. Roquan Smith is that guy. Could make a move like that, that'd be fantastic. The Raiders, at some point, I do believe, are going to start making some moves like that. You see Dave Ziegler's not afraid to trade draft picks. They, he gave up draft picks to go and get uh, Devontae Adams, which was good. They also were willing to give up draft capital to move up to number one and go get Bryce Young. Now they got beat out by Carolina, but they were willing to roll the dice. And, you know, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds when it comes to the draft next year because it's the draft next year. And it's October right now, and it's a long, long way away, even though some people in Raider Nation are like, all right, so where are we picking at now? All right, well, based off this, we're, we're scheduled to pick number three. It's four weeks in the books. 
right? None of that matters at this stage of the game. But, yeah, man, they've got to – I like what, what Quick said. Have a good combination of draft, and if you have to go spend a little bit of money on a guy, go get it. You've got to get the more talent. Talent, talent, talent. At the end of the day, the most talented teams are going to win as long as they're the right guys that fit with what you're trying to do. But you've got to have as much talent as possible. Quick, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Let's go out to L.A. Eddie, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Eddie? today brother chilling chilling yeah all right so you you had a call uh you had a caller i think it was one of the guests that came out earlier talked about how uh, uh the, there's a real hot seat now going on in new england with uh bill belichick and how a lot of these ex-players go back to yeah. uh, to new england right and they yep. seem to play better could one of the reasons be because new england does a really good job of implementing their skill set into their uh, defensive system, adjusting their defensive system to fit that player's skill set. Isn't that what we've been asking for to be done here with the Raiders before even uh, McDaniels got here? So I'm just not putting it on him. Yeah. So if you've got an opportunity to pick up players and and go out and, and, and exploit their, their skill sets on the field for our game, why not? I understand Gregory's out there. Okay. This team is it needs more defensive players on this team that can actually do something, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's going to come in and be an all all world beater, but at the beginning of the season with Tyree Wilson, we were the talk was they're going to ease him in because of Chandler Jones. We all know how that played out. Yep. But can they revert back and start easing him in and start, you know, get, uh, keeping Max Crosby more uh, keep him more fresh during the game, move him around? Look how much havoc he creates, especially when he's going up in the center. Right, line himself over the center lineman or the guard. You you can't see of a package that way. Conceivable package that can ex- create more pressure, allow or get, take off some pressure off the, the uh, our DBs and allow them to be able to pick up more balls. I mean, isn't that something that you could see easily happening? Picking up more defensive talent. Now, we we talk about role constant. You you said it, and the, the uh, uh, Ziggler is not afraid to use draft picks. Why is it that during the season and there's those players available and sometimes they go for a third round or fourth round pick, but the Raiders just never do it. It doesn't matter who's the GM. It doesn't matter who the, the head coach is. It just seems like during the, week, during, during the season when those, uh, there's an opportunity to pick up defensive or offensive talent that te- the team needs, they just never seem to pull the trigger. I don't understand why. I hope this is a change. I hope we get back to the winning next, uh, this Monday night and going forward. Man, but I said it before, I keep saying it. It ain't easy being a Raider fan. Raider Nation, stay up. Eddie in L.A., thanks for the call. I appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know why they don't make the in, in-season trades. Uh, you know, some, some, I guess, GMs don't, don't really believe in it as much as others. Uh, some teams go for it and just do what they do. So, uh, there it is. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not too sure why they don't make those moves. But, um, you know, at, at some point, maybe if that certain guy is out there that they feel pretty comfortable with, maybe they will make that move. But, uh, yeah, re- really good stuff. And that's why I threw the question out there about Randy Gregory. I'm not a big, firm believer in Randy Gregory. I know that he didn't really have – you know, a, a lot of production while he was in Denver, but he did do some good things in Dallas, and he signed a big contract in Denver. It didn't work out. He's going to get released at some point. He's not quite yet, but he's going to get released at some point as we were talking with Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk a little bit earlier. Let's go out to the North. Not the North, but the North. <laughs> Vince, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. What do you do, baby? Yeah, that's North. You know, you know, understand. I, you know, you remember me from last week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on, baby? How you been? Chilling, man. Chilling. You all right? 
I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I didn't get a chance to catch y'all's show on Monday or Tuesday. I know it was probably a gang of uh, Raider Nation feeling sorry about the Chargers. But here's just my take real quick. I ain't going to be too long. Uh, if there's somebody to blame, I'm not blaming the defense. I'm not blaming – honestly, I'm not even blaming the offense, man. I'm blaming Josh McDaniels. I think uh, you don't put a kid like that. I can't even be mad at Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, those fumbles. It was very uh, reminiscent of uh, game one last year, last season, when Derek Carr had all those interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, Aiden O'Connell, he just had the fumbles. You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of like remin- very reminiscent of that game. But I can't blame the kid. We, I felt like I literally, we literally seen the kid grow up as the game grew on. He made the rookie mistakes. You saw his confidence kind of dip a little bit. I know he has a lot of poise. That's one of the good ups that we see in him. I know he has a lot of poise, but as the game continued, he didn't he didn't waver like how we saw Daniel Jones because that man, his confidence was shot that Monday night. Now, he was going through it. But uh, I think uh, I blame Josh McDaniels, man. He got He's going to have to do something. He's going to have to look in the mirror. He's going to have to grow some you-know-what to get these guys up and motivated and want to put on that, that Raider helmet because uh, – if you ask me, you don't put a kid in that position. Matter of fact, when that defense, when the defense made that fourth and one stand to give our offense that chance, and you and the camera panned to Josh McDaniels and you saw the emotion, that was about the most emotion I've seen out of that man as a Raiders coach. All these whole two seasons, he's been our coach, but he's got to be, he's got to understand. I think he got caught up in the moment, just like us fans. You're the coach. You got to stay even killed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's cool to show some emotion, but to put that kid, Aiden O'Connell and make him force that pass on that goal line on that uh, – I don't know if it was – I think it was first and goal. And you, the way we were running that ball, you don't put that kid in that position. We was running the ball good. You hand that ball off. And that's what I need to say. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, Q. I'll catch you next time, baby. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, man, if you had called in on Monday or Tuesday or listened in on Monday or Tuesday, you would have heard – you would have heard some, uh, some violins. You would have heard a whole lot of sorrow. You would have heard a lot of anger. You would have heard a lot of frustration. You would have heard every emotion under the sun. Uh, that's what you would have heard. But that's – look, I get it. You know, passionate fan base, uh, a fan base that's ready for their team to get back to winning ways, something that hasn't happened in a long time consistently, and that's the big problem. Again, it's, it's, it's the consistency or lack of consistency on the field that has got Raider Nation fired up. We want to hear from you, 702-365-9200, plus adobebroke.com, text line at 69187, keyword r My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q, brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shout out to my guy Mordecai and company. They do a fantastic job. You're looking for jewelry, you got to get jewelry at the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We'll come back, get to your calls, get to your texts, plus some sound from Patrick Graham and Mick Lombardi. It's Red Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. 702-365-9200, the don't be broke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. My man, fin- my man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Excuse me, I'm in Studio Q. Got this text from Brad. Uh, he said, as far as Gregory, I guess it never hurts to kick the tires on a position of need. But off topic, one thing I'm concerned with for Monday is the habit of making nobody look like somebody. 
In other words, backups and average players will tear us up. It doesn't matter which starter is out against us, the backups will suddenly be stars. That said, I fear Jordan Love will be made to look like a pro bowler. That because that's unfortunately what we do. There's no indication of this changing. And Monday, Monday night against Devontae's former team would be a terrible look. Whatever causes this, let's hope it's corrected quickly. That's from Brad and Conquer. And I think that low-key, that's a lot, a lot of people are concerned about. It may not even be low-key, right? I mean, so far, there's been times that we heard, oh, this team's not very good at this. Oh, this team doesn't run the ball very well. This team doesn't stop the run very well. This team doesn't really have an offense. This team can't do this, that, and other, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, they end up becoming all pros in that game. I've said it so many times, man. The Raiders have become, unfortunately, they've become the slump buster. They've become that 2 a.m. phone call. Right? You don't ever want to be that 2 a.m. phone call. You don't ever want to become that slump buster. And unfortunately for the Raiders, that's what they've become for multiple teams and multiple players. Like Brad and Concord said, you've got to eliminate that. You can't have that happen. You've got to be that team that is getting right against other teams. Right? You've got to put that against other people. You don't want that to consistently happen to you. And unfortunately, a lot of Raider Nation feels that same way. And, well, again, that's unfortunate. Got a text in the 925, so Mac was only double-teamed two of his 63 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. And that's been a conversation that a lot of people have had, is about how much was Khalil Mack actually double-teamed. Because I know head coach Josh McDaniel said that they threw everything at him to slow him down. I personally didn't see that. I was watching the game. I thought I was watching it pretty closely. I didn't see a lot of effort to slow Khalil Mack down. It looked like him and Jermaine Illuminor were on the island by themselves. And it was like, all right, Jermaine, sink or swim. And there was more sinking than swimming as far as I'm concerned. But there you go. Pro Football Focus says he was double-teamed two out of 63 snaps. Khalil Mack came away with six sacks on the se- on the game and six on the season because he had none going into the game. Want to talk about a slump buster? There it is right there. That's that 2 a.m. call. Raider James hit a sub and said, this Raider team has been dealing with a huge distraction. If someone you care about is going through a crisis, it is going to distract you. If you are being called a cokehead and a murderer to the world, you might become distracted. I would. Fans want to win, but let's be humans first. Now that we are beyond the distraction, look for focus and improvement across the entire team. That's Raider James, and he's talking about the Chandler Jones situation, what was going on uh, with him. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't co-sign, and I can't say and deny, right? I, I don't know how big of the, a distraction that was because I don't know at what point did the Raiders start cutting off Chandler Jones. Uh, if you go back to training camp and preseason, when they were – they were having those joint practices against the Niners. All of a sudden, Chandler Jones was, like, missing, gone. Uh, I remember they had the first practice against the Niners. He was there. Then we didn't see him in the second practice, and we never saw him again for a long time. Then finally he showed up at one practice, and then we never saw him again. So you could absolutely be right. There, there could be a huge distraction when it came to Chandler Jones. I just don't know how much it was because I don't know how much he was actually around. It just seemed like something was going on. Um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what it looks like now that they've moved on. And at the same time, they've moved on, but – I mean, he, if, if that's the case, he's still their brother, right? I mean, those guys all respected him in the locker room. That's something that I know for sure. That's something that they all have told us. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy, Ben. Ben, welcome to Unnecessary Rep. This was on your mind. Hey, how's it going? I'm going to go against the grain just a little bit because um, okay. I understand how frustrated we all are. Um, and I've been a Raiders fan as long as – I'm 50 years old. I've been a Raiders fan since I was a little kid. And the one thing I, I uh, would say is we're all quick to throw McDaniels on a chopping block, but – Let's let's go back and think over the years how many times we've done knee-jerk reactions and switch coaches, switch systems, switch offense, switch defense. And I get that we're impatient, and I am. Trust me, I'm impatient, and I've spent a lot of money going to games. <laughs> I uh, I think we're, we we got to remember we're not like there's this is a puzzle piece, and there's a lot of pieces we're still missing. 
including the offensive line. I do think the offense we have with the weapons we have would look a whole lot different with just a couple of new pieces because um, we've been getting manhandled out there. Um, and then, you know, secondly, even when you go back to the best, I, I don't like to compare to the Patriots, but let's go back and look at the best Patriot teams ever with McDaniels and, and Tom Brady, obviously. You, for every championship team, you had a Teddy Bruschi, you had a Richard Seymour, you had Rodney Harrison, you had all these other pieces that make a difference. We don't have that many pieces yet. Um, this is tough to win in the NFL. And, yeah, I'm impatient, but um, I, the last thing I want to see is knee-jerk, let's fire everybody and start over with a new system because I've had enough of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing is just a question to you, which is McDan- uh, McDaniels and uh, Ziegler were obviously attached at the hip. They made a point of that when they came on. Um, are they still attached at the hip, or does one go before the other? I appreciate it. Hey, great question, Ben. Thanks for the call. Great feedback in general. And I, I believe that they are joined at the hip. I believe that they're, you know, they're a combo package. With that being said, Dave Ziegler's let it be known that he's, you know, he's got the final say in everything. So if it were to really go off the rails and it came down to one or the other, I could see McDaniel's being the guy to have to go and Ziegler sticking around. But my gut feeling tells me that that's a that's a combo pack. And I also believe that that combo pack ain't going nowhere, right? And I'm like you, I, I know a lot of Raider Nation doesn't want to hear it. A lot of the Raider Nation wanted that combo pack gone when they got hired. Before they ever step foot in the building, it's like, yep, get rid of them, right? And, and I get it. I get it, right? They come from New England, so there's that. I don't know. I, I, don't want, I don't want to keep pressing the reset button for every reason that Ben just said. I don't care. I don't have a personal attachment to any coach. I don't have a personal attachment to any GM. I don't have a personal attachment to any player in that locker room. I really don't. At the end of the day, all I care about is, is, is that team getting back right and getting, getting back to winning. Right? If there's any coach that I actually had a, a, a personal attachment to, it was, it was Gruden because that was my favorite coach. Right? Obviously, we know how it all shook out, so there's that. But that was the guy I was excited about. I was excited when he came back the second time. That's Chucky, bringing Chucky back, bringing back the real Raider coach. Like, I was fired up about that. I was clicking my heels together like I was the Wizard of Damn Oz. Right? I was excited about that. So, you know, I just am tired of pressing reset. And every time, Every single time you hire a new coach, that's what you're doing is you press reset. Every time. And I know someone's going to say, well, they didn't do that in New York with the Giants. They're about to. (laughs) They're about to. Right? I know they made the playoffs last year, but look at what they look like now. That was more of a mirage that they made the playoffs last year. Now they're talking about burning the whole thing down. Right? So, I mean, again, it's just it's it's coaches and GMs are always going to want to eventually bring in their own guys, and they do. So, I just – I just want to see this team become successful so Raider Nation can be happy, so you can get back to consistent winning. I know Mark Davis wants to win. Uh, I know he doesn't want to continuously hit the, hit the reset button like you're playing Madden back in the day and you're losing, and all of a sudden before the game becomes final or that 21 nothing blowout, you got to get off the sticks, you press reset. Oops, I didn't mean for it to press reset. Sorry. I may have done that a couple times. That's why I know how easy it is to do. Whoops, sorry, wasn't paying attention. Pushed off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that was that was real. The push off was real. That happened. That was real. Vegas Jess knows it. He's laughing somewhere like, "Yeah, I got him. I got him." Vegas Jess was uh, showing the video over the weekend. Was like, "Look, this is exactly where I got him. I, look, I, I got him really good right there." No, he didn't say all that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. He about to lose his mind if he heard me say that. So I, I better not say that. But yeah, I mean, the reset button just sucks, man. 
It really does. So there's that. So, Ben, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. Want to get into a couple sounds from uh, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator. I know we got sound from Mick Lombardi, but I don't think we have time to get everybody in. So let's just go to Patrick Graham. Uh, obviously, the defense did a pretty good job in the second half. Uh, we talked to Adam Hill earlier, and he thought that was more on the Chargers than it was even on the Raiders. But they didn't let him score in the second half. They gave the, the, the Raiders a chance to come back in the, you know, at the end and win the game. Obviously, it didn't get done. Now they have to prepare for the Green Bay Packers. So here's uh, Patrick Graham talking about the defensive performance. And uh, also, you'll hear the question really about shutting out the Chargers in the second half. I was proud of how we fought in the second half, the poise and the resolve the, the players showed. You know, it's, it's something we've seen from those guys throughout you know, the spring, training camp, practices during the season, but really proud of that. Something to build on. Again, each week is different, but we can see some progress in terms of, you know, third down, uh, the run game, you know, tackling was better in the second half. So all that stuff. And we're going to need it this week against Green Bay because dynamic group of receivers, the O-line's gelling well together, the quarterback, he's getting his feet underneath him. And obviously Matt does a really good job schematically. So we're going to need all that to build upon that for this week coming up. Patrick Graham right there, defensive coordinator of the Raiders, and he met with uh, the media on yesterday. So this is all from yesterday. We didn't get a, get a chance to get to it on yesterday's show. How about Trayvon Merrick? We talked about him earlier in the show and the fact that his pro football focus grade was pretty sticking good. Not bad at all. As a matter of fact, he uh, ended up being a 90.6 with the one interception. Uh, he also had, what, three pass breakups and an interception, uh, added the nine the nine uh, run stops, he, he, he did pretty well in his game on, uh, on Sunday against the Chargers. So here's Patrick Graham talking about Trayvon Merrick's performance. Trayvon, just working hard in the classroom and on the practice field and the conversations he's having with, you know, whether it's Chris and Simo in terms of the coaches, you know, getting insight from Josh in terms of, you know, in the quarterbacks. I'm sure he's talking to those guys too, just to get the safety – the safety position, you got you to gotta be an information gatherer. <laughs> you know, how's this look look to you guys? You know, so I think that's part of it. You have to talk to them specifically. But I see a lot of conversations going on between uh, periods. Uh, um, I know with myself just talking to them, the, the football maturity, just the position it takes a little while in terms of just to see all the different looks from that position. I think I've compared it before. Never coached the position, but similar to a quarterback, just getting to see more and more looks. That's how you become more comfortable with it. Patrick Graham on Trayvon Merrick and his performance that he saw from him on Sunday and how he's getting more comfortable. And, look, there's a reason why they keep putting him out there, even though he has a club on his hands, right? We talked about the interception that he dropped on Sunday, and uh, really he he's, should have had a few so far this season. He's got one, uh, and, and, you know, we talk about, well, he's got a club, so what do you expect? The fact that they're putting him out there with the club on, on his hand lets it be known that they feel pretty comfortable with what he's doing. If there was any reason to sit him down, it'd be because he has that club. But since he's out there doing what he's doing and doing it at a pretty high level and looking like a lot better than what uh, he's looked the past couple seasons, at least last year with the Raiders, that's why they keep putting him out there. Now, again, mentioned the, the game coming up on Monday with the Green Bay Packers. They've got to prepare for the weapons that they have in Green Bay. Jordan Love is obviously a guy still trying to come into his own. Here's Patrick Graham talking about preparing for that Packers offense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's start first with the, the head coach who's calling the plays. He's been a real successful play caller in this league for a long time. They do a lot to challenge you schematically. They do a lot to get the ball to the players. You know, again, just getting the ball to their dynamic players in space. That's a good thing they do there. But it all starts with the run game. And, you know, 
They do a great job of scheming up the run game, figuring out ways to create angles, and they have the backs to do it, and the offensive line's gelling together pretty good. So, and, you know, the new tight ends they have in there, they're willing blockers. The receivers, I think every time I've gone against Green Bay or been, you know, and I used to work there for a long time ago, but they're always willing blockers. There's a level of toughness that comes into play. So it, it presents a lot of challenges. The combination of the run game, the pass game off the run game, and just how they challenge your rules and your, and your eyes throughout the um, duration of the game. There's Patrick Graham right there talking about the, the Packers offense, kind of breaking it on down. And, yeah, I think it starts and ends with Aaron Jones, right? If he's out there and he's healthy, he, he's a threat to run the rock. He's a threat to carry the ball or catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's just a weapon. He really is. And they've got plenty of weapons on that offense. And the one thing I have, the one question I have about that offense is the offensive line. Can they hold up? Or can Max Crosby just have a phenomenal day? If he can, if Max Crosby can eat, I have no doubt that the Raiders could win this game. I feel very comfortable with the Raiders winning this game as long as Max Crosby can go out there and be Max Crosby. If that offensive line is a little bit leaky, it could be a long day at the office for Jordan Love and that Packers offense. But if for some reason they're able to hold up and slow Max Crosby down, then they're going to have a great opportunity to be successful because, again, there hasn't been enough guys to step up and make plays on the Raiders' defensive side of things outside of Mad Max Crosby. 444 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Reason or excuse as we close out the show. It's Radish Radio 920. It's time for Reason or Excuse on Unnecessary Roughness. Yes, it is. All right, ESPN's Matt Miller. Is that is that your buddy, or is this yep. just a different ESPN's? No, nah, it's my guy, Matt Miller, All man. Right. At NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. I don't even have Nailed to look it. that up. I know. All right. Well, then, well, then I'll be nice. About that's my, no, it's all right. That's my guy, man. He goes. I go back with Matt Miller all the way back to Bleacher Report. Oh, there wow. was a time, and me and Matt laugh about this all the time. There was a time where they would call us when I was at ESPN Central Texas. They're like, hey, we've got this really good analyst that we'd like you to get on and get him a little exposure. His name is Matt Miller. He does the draft really well. And so we talked draft all year long because that was his expertise. And then all of a sudden he like blew up, and so now I got to make appointments <laughs> to get him on the show. I got this. I told him, I said, "Man, you a cold piece of work, man. You blew up, man. You used to use my show as a jump off. Now it's like now you look know. at you. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Now I'm trying to call him. You know, he's he's calling me at two in the morning, man. You know what I mean? Like, all that's right, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, Matt's Matt's doing fantastic, man. I'm so happy for him. He's he's a hell of a dude. All right, well we'll take it easy on him here. No, I'm just kidding. Right. This is good actually. He said, "Quote: Brian Dayball probably has one shot at being an NFL head coach." I'm totally on board when, with him being PO'd when his QB fumbles, throws the game away like this. We should honestly pay more attention to the fact that very few head coaches get a second chance without success the first go-around. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones can play in the NFL for 10 more years due to his draft status and needs at the position. So, yeah, be disgusted. Your job counts on it. Reason or excuse? No, I mean, that's that's a reason. Absolutely. Right? And, and the thing about it, I, I think that uh, – the reason why he's even more disgusted is because the Giants fell for the banana in the tailpipe. They believed a little bit more in themselves, right? I mentioned it earlier. They made the playoffs, and they're like, hey, this is a playoff team. Were they? Were they really a playoff team, or were they a team that made it to the playoffs? Because there is a difference. Raider Nation, I think we know that. There's a difference between a team that makes the playoffs and a team that is a playoff team. I don't think the Giants were a playoff team. I sure as hell don't think Daniel Jones is a playoff caliber quarterback. They gave him money this this offseason. They gave him a, a semi-bag, right? They can get out of it. It's got some wiggle room. 
I think if they're as bad as they look like they're going to be, I definitely believe they're picking a quarterback in next year's draft, right? Even if they ride with him for one more year, I think Daniel Jones is going to be out of there sooner rather than later. But I think he's even more angry because he believed in what happened last year, that they were a playoff team, and, oh, I can make Daniel Jones better. I'll bring in Darren Waller. I'll go out and draft Hyatt, add some speed to the to the game. We'll bring back Saquon Barkley on a you know short-term deal. Oh, we'll be this, that, and the other. Womp, womp, womp. Right? I mean, really, if it wasn't for a second-half comeback against the Cardinals, the Giants are over. Right? And, and credit them for being able to come back in the second half, but they look piss poor. I mean, they're just that. They're not very good. So, yeah, there, there's there's definitely a lot of reason for Brian Dayball to be uh, angry at what's going on there because, I mean, Matt Miller's right. You don't always get a second chance to be a, a head coach in the NFL. Sometimes you're one and done. Mm. Not all the times, but sometimes you're definitely one and done. Yep. Okay. Uh, according to Stephen A. Smith, one oh, team. Oh, jeez. Yep. One team. That's was, my teammate. And I don't even do support know, him. Do you it's know what teammate. I'm about to ask about? No, I don't. That's my teammate, and I don't even support him. Well, <laughs> This is not about him speaking, okay, but good. you will not be supportive of this. Uh, according to him, one team was reportedly interested in meeting Harden, James Harden's contract terms. On first take today, Smith said, quote, a very reliable source, which we could discuss that later, told him that the Rockets were set to offer Harden a max deal, but Houston and new coach Adoka pulled back when Harden said that he wanted to win another scoring title. So reason or excuse for pulling back? Um, first of all, if they really were interested in James Harden, shame on them. <laughs> coach Adoka is a better coach than that. Um, he's a guy who likes defense. He likes grit. He likes guys that are going to play tough. He doesn't like guys that are going to play in fat suits when they get <laughs> angry, right? I mean, he doesn't. So I honestly did believe that Houston was going to be the location when we first started hearing about he was going to get traded. I thought Houston was going to be the spot. Then they went out and made the move for Dylan Brooks, and I thought, okay, maybe not. And then they made the other move, and they went and got the young man out of Toronto, um, uh, What's his name now? I'm forgetting his name. But anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he's a hell of a player. Uh, Van Vliet. Uh, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. So they went and got him, and I thought, okay, there's no room for James Harden. He's the guy that's got to have the ball, got to have the ball, got to have the ball, got to have the ball. Oh, wait, I can't get a shot. Here you go. You take it. He's just not a, he's not a winner. He's a, he's a guy who can score, but that would, you know, maybe there is a reason because that would have that would have turned me off too. I want to win another scoring title. Hey, scoring titles be damn. How about you win a championship? Yeah, that is pretty. Uh, so maybe that is the reason. But I mean, I would have had a thousand reasons before that. I, I was, I'm good, man. James Harden, he couldn't play on my pickup team. <laughs> yeah, that all fits. That <laughs> let that him all... go play on Demond's team, man. Because ah. Demond needs him. Yeah, I don't need he does. Him. Yeah, I need winners, does. man. I don't want. He ain't no winner. They would get along. All right. Speaking of winners. Patrick Mahomes took the blame for a lack of production from the Chiefs' wide receivers and problems with the team's passing game the other night. Uh, he threw two interceptions in Sunday night's game against the Jets. The Chiefs, after uh, taking an early 17-0 lead, and then they had to hang on for that 23-20 victory. Quote, if I start playing better, everybody will start playing better. Uh, I mean, he's the leader, but is that the reason, really, or is it an excuse? No, it's a good reason. It's a good reason. He did play bad, right? I mean, those two interceptions, they were very un-Patrick Mahomes-like. Now, you got to give the Jets' defense a lot of credit for that because they are a very good defense, right? I would love to see the Raiders have a defense like that. That defense is fantastic. But Patrick Mahomes, I feel oh, like nice. once they got up 17-0, him and the Chiefs got comfortable and thought, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park. This team stinks. Their quarterback stinks. They're not going to do anything. They're going to roll over and play dead, and they didn't. Right? Or maybe they did play dead and they bounced back real quick because, man, they uh, they made a game of it. Patrick Mahomes looked very pedestrian. He looked like there's you know there's some cracks in the armor. 
I don't think that's what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes every week. But, yeah, that was not a good performance by him on Sunday Night Football. And, really, I think it helped the Jets get a lot of confidence in what they could do moving forward. So, uh, yeah, definitely a reason. Uh, I do agree. But now the Chiefs are sitting there at 3-1. and one, The Chargers are 2-2. and two, The Raiders and the Broncos in the AFC West are 1-3. and three. Crazy. So there you go. You got any days of the day? I got National Taco Day. Okay. Let's go. Okay. National Taco <laughs> Day. I can rock that. with that. I can rock with tacos and nachos every single day. Unless love Sylvia says Love me some it. tacos. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm, that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, love me some tacos. Love me some nachos. I'll rock with it. It's Radio 920. Have a good night. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.